Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Good evening. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries, and this is your word on Wednesday. We bless God for you tonight. We know that this is in the Chicagoland area. This is a very exciting night for many, but we have an appointment with the Word of God. We know that the Cubs are on right now, and I, like many others, want to be in there watching the game, especially if we're winning. But thank God for DVRs. And so we're here tonight, and hopefully you are you're. You have your Bibles and your pencil and paper ready, and if you're if you're not on, the good news is is that uh, either on Blog Talk or Periscope, you will be able to get this lesson later this evening or tomorrow morning, depending on how good the game is or not. Because I know if you're like my wife, if the game's not going good, she'll turn it off and walk away and. I'm kind of the same way sometimes, too. But in any event, we're here tonight. We're excited about tonight. Uh, We're going to have a word of prayer. Then I want to talk to maybe somebody who doesn't know Christ. And then we'll start with tonight's lesson. Um, Let's bow our heads in that word of prayer first. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. And we come thanking you for your faithfulness. You have been faithful to us. And Father, when we when you gave us this assignment and you told us to share the word on Wednesday nights, you said to share it in season and out of season. And even as the storm cackles in the background and the Cub game is on, and Father, we want to share that word. So we thank you tonight. Now, Father, let your word accomplish its purpose. We ask that your spirit would reign with us tonight and reign in our hearts, go into the deep places of our spirit man and heal and and, and, and convict what needs to be convicted, cleanse, restore. Do what you do, God, what only you can do by the power of your might and your word. So we give you thanks tonight and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Tonight is a, as I'm speaking to you tonight, I want you to pay particular attention to, for those of you who don't know Jesus, those of you who have yet to confess him, those of you who have yet to grab hold to the gift that God has provided for us. God let his son, gave us his son, Jesus Christ, and allows him to take our place as a sin offering. He allows him to, well, let me say it a little bit better than that, allows him to take our place and pay our penalty for the sins that we have committed. We bless God for giving that gift because there was nothing that we could offer God to pay for the sins that we have had committed against him. But God loves us so much 
that he decided to make a way for our sins to be forgiven, fellowship with him to be restored, and us to be able to come into his presence and be claimed as sons and daughters. And so when he gives us his son Jesus, and he allows him to go to the cross. He allows him to shed his blood. He only asks one thing of us, that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins. And by faith, he doesn't, he doesn't tell us to come to him or anything like that. He says, if you believe that my son died for you, and you ask him to come into your heart, you repent of your sin, meaning that you turn away from your sins and begin to follow Jesus. He says, I'll save you. He says, I'll save you. Forgiveness and salvation belongs to you right now. What you need to take it. You need to accept it. And the only way that you can accept it is believe it. And believe it in your heart. He says, if thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus and believe in his, your heart, he says, I'll save you. He says, that's what, that's what it takes. It takes a heartfelt belief. And that's what we are, that's, that is exactly what it takes. Nothing else that you just believe and have faith in Jesus. So do that tonight, will you? And all you have to do is say, Father, in Jesus' name I come. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I repent of the things that I have done wrong. And I ask Jesus to be my Savior. Please come into my life and live with me right now. Jesus' name, amen. And God's word tells us that he will save you. You become a child of the king right then and there because God's been waiting for you to just reach out and take that gift by faith. So with that said, I want to uh, now turn our attention to um, our lesson tonight. And our lesson tonight comes from Psalms 20, and the title of tonight's lesson is uh, Praying for God's Anointed. Let me ask you a question. I want to start out this a little bit different. Um, do you pray for your pastor? Do you pray for the leadership of your church? Do you pray for government officials, your senators and the governor and even the president and presidential candidates? One of the things, one of the most important things that the church can do, one of the most important assignments given to the church is prayer. Now, we're in the middle of a very, very contentious election, and evangelical Christians have jumped into the fray by giving their opinions concerning 
who should be our next president. And hey, hey, Donald, how you doing? Um, and who should be our next president? That's not our job. That is not our job. Uh, we have never been assigned to become a part of the po the po politics of this world. You see, one of the things that we have to understand is that even though we're citizens of the United States, that we have a higher citizenship. Paul teaches us that our citizenship is in heaven, and we are the heavenly ambassadors. We have been assigned to be on earth, and our assignment is to affect change not through politics, but by advancing the kingdom of God throughout the land. So although we, we, we should and we must vote, our primary consideration, our primary mission can never, can never be obscured, can never be confused with the political agenda of the world. Our agenda is kingdom. Our agenda is advancing the kingdom of God on earth by spreading the gospel. And if we allow ourselves to be entangled in the affairs of the world, we lose our authority. We lose our ability to influence what's going on in the world. And so I admonish each of you to make sure that you understand where you stand in this world and what your responsibilities are. Our responsibilities throughout this whole thing and towards our pastor, toward our home, toward our government officials is to pray. And that's what we're going to look at real good tonight, praying for God's anointed. And I'm going to start out, and, and I want you to grab your Bibles real quickly. I'm going to grab an NIV version, and I'm, we're going to turn tonight to Psalms 20. And I thought it was interesting that God would lead me in the Psalms 20, especially after what we experienced last week with the death of a king. You see, last week, if you, if you remember, last week Saul died. And Saul died be, uh, primarily because of his disobedience to God. God, had, God judged Saul on the battlefield. That was God's judgment of Saul. And one of the things that we had to talk about is the fact that, guess what? God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. God is a God who, who showers us with grace and blessings. But he's also a God who judges. He's a God who sends forth his word. And those who choose not to obey it, those who choose to do their own things, are left to their own devices. And the Bible teaches us that we'll reap what we sow. If we sow disobedience, 
we're going to reap judgment. But if we sow faith and obedience, we reap the blessings of God. We reap the presence of God. We reap the filling of the Holy Spirit. We reap the anointing of God on our lives as he leads us down the path of life. But when we choose the way of man, when we choose the way of flesh, like Saul did, we reap death, we reap corruption, we reap defeat. And that's what we saw with Saul. And so today what I'd like to do is I would like to continue on and I'd like to show you what we need to do and why we need to do it. And my thesis tonight is simple. We must pray for God's anointed. And notice notice how I'm saying this tonight. You know, if I just meant pastors, and they're so important, I would say, we must pray for God's pastors. But included in the ministry is not just pastors, but you have evangelists, you have administrators, you have prophets, you have, uh, what is it, um, prophets, uh, you have teachers, the pastors. So you've got all of the ministry giftings. You have leadership within the church who work on different levels, the music ministry. And and what it really amounts to is that when we pray, we pray for all, but we especially pray for those who are on the front lines, those who are leading. And why do I say we pray for those who are leading? I'll tell you why. Because those up front are the first ones to get hit. Those who are going out forward in battle and leading us into battle. When the king leads them into battle, the first volley of arrows that come, the the hot oil that they poured on them, the the spears that they threw at them, they, they were the first to encounter the chariot riders. The first one into battle were the leaders. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing a lot of our leaders fall prey to the enemy. And we have responsibility. Just like our leaders have responsibility for us, we have responsibility for them. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And so, and we're going to talk about it through Psalms 20. So grab your Bibles. Let's get to our place. And those, many of you have, have went through uh, 40 days of Psalms with me uh, back in the spring during the Lenten season. And so you know this is, this is one of my favorite topics. As much as this is one of my favorite topics, every now and then my, me and my Bible get all jacked up. Cause I'm all over the place. Okay, turn to Psalms 20. This Bible act like it don't know me just because I was using another Bible the last couple of days. My Bibles have minds of their own sometimes. They they think I'm mad at them. I'm going to read the entire psalm like I normally do, then I'll explain it to you, okay? And we'll show you how what this not only what it means, but how to apply it. 
Psalm 20, for the director of music, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Selah. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. First of all, this psalm is what we call a royal psalm. It's a psalm concerning the king. And when we look at this psalm, first of all, it is a psalm, it was, it's a prayer psalm specifically for the king. Oftentimes, this psalm was utilized when the king was about to go into, the, into battle. And either he was pursuing an enemy or he was protecting the, the, the kingdom and the people from enemy encroachment. And so what would happen as the king prepared himself for battle is, first of all, to receive God's blessings, he would go and he would give sacrifices unto the Lord, seeking the Lord's favor in battle. And during the time of his worship, there was a holy convocation, a, 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 time, a, a worship service where the priest and the king and the people all joined together in prayer. And the prayer was about the king, but it was to God, seeking God's favor, because the people understood that their blessings and, and their ability to be protected and the ability for the king to be successful didn't depend upon what the king could do, but what God would do. And so they would come and they would bow down before the Lord and begin to pray. And this was part of their liturgy. This was part of the prayer service that they would have. And so they would begin with this prayer for victory by saying, verse 1, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. So immediately, along with the king, they would begin to petition for God's favor. And their petition was based upon the blessing, the covenant blessings that God had promised them. As a matter of fact, the first thing that they want is God to answer 
by placing his name upon the king according to God's promise. So they begin praying for the king based upon the revealed word of God. What are you talking about? Well, every week, go to Numbers, every week, at the end of every week, I, uh, I, I, I do what the Lord says do according to his word in Numbers. I give you the priestly blessing every week. Go to number six. Listen to number six, and I'm going to start at, 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 I'll start at verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And that's usually where I stop. But this is what the Lord promises to do to those who receive the blessing that he has sent to them. He says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. When you receive that blessing from the priest, when you receive that blessing from me, literally what is happening is I am putting the name of the Lord on you. And the Lord knows his name. The Lord knows his children. And when you receive the name of the Lord, the Lord blesses you. And what they're doing in Psalm 20 is they are going before the Lord and say, by your name, by your name. They are blessing the king with the name of the Lord. They are enjoining the priest as he has handed out the blessing to them to make sure that this king understands, that this king is undergirded in such a way that he knows he ain't going out there in his own name. Remember David, when David goes to fight the Philistine giant Goliath? He says, you come to me with the spear and the sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You see, he, he brings the king. David's been trained in this to come not in his name, to come not in his own power, to come not knowing who owns him or who empowers him, but to come knowing that it is God. And look what he says in, in, in verse 20, in that, in that verse. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. When those people heard the name of the God of Jacob, do you know what they thought about? The name that delivers. Jacob had been delivered. And not only do they think of Jacob, but they think of the God of the Exodus. They think of the God of their forefathers. Here's the God who can deliver. Here's the God who brought us out of slavery. Here's the God who brought us out of Egypt. Here's the God who walked us across the Red Sea on dry land. But Pharaoh's army went down. That's the God that we call on now for our king, even as he goes out into battle. Wow. Wow. Wait, wait a minute. Preacher, didn't you say 
that we are praying for God's anointed and that the job of God's anointed was to lead the people in battle and in leading them into battle, they were either advancing against the enemy or protecting against the enemy. What do you think the, the role of a pastor is? Turn over with me real quick to um, uh, Hebrews 13. Go to Hebrews 13 real quick. I know sometimes we think, well, that's Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that you would be of no for that would be of no advantage to you. The writer of Hebrews admonishes us and tells us that we are to obey our leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over us. And not only do they keep watch over us, but they are accountable to God for us. What does that sound like to you? Our leaders have been given an assignment to watch over us and be prepared to give an account for us. And the king in this psalm has been anointed as a viceroy or under-shepherd to watch out for the people of God, to watch over the people of God, to lead the people of God. And they have the authority of God to do that because they have the anointing of God to do it. Saul had those things, but he lost them because he was not interested in doing what God says. Our leaders are held accountable by God for everything that they do. And they are very, very important. You in your house, if, you know, sometimes you think, well, I don't have no job, so no, guess what? You do have a job, and you do have an anointing, and you do have a portion of God's kingdom to watch over. You in your house, you see, your husband or your wife, you need to be praying for them all the time. Why? Because they've been given authority over that household. The deacons, they've been given some authority to serve. The trustees, they've been given the authority to, to work within the financial uh, arena and the administration within the church. The musicians and the, the, and the choir leaders and the psalmists, they have authorities. The worship leader, he has the authority in that area of worship as given by God through his pastor. Prophets, authority of God. And so we have to be in prayer for why? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Because why? Because those are the ones that the enemy is going to attack first. If they can get them, 
then the sheep can be scattered. The one thing that you always wanted to do, if you could get the king, the people to run. And so the people understood, look, our welfare is tied to the welfare of the king. Church, your welfare is tied to the welfare of your leadership. Children, your welfare is tied to the leadership of your parents. Oh, I love to hear when the kids are praying for, praying for their parents. I believe that those I believe that those prayers of those sweet little ones, I, I believe they take jet wings and get to heaven in a hurry. Your prayers are important. Your prayer life is important, especially in this area. Your pastor in trouble? Your pastor seems like he is being attacked? That's on you. Your pastor seems like he's not doing the right thing or being led astray or there's some damnable doctrine that's coming out of his mouth. That's on you because the devil is after your pastor. The devil is after the pastor's family. The devil is after the leadership of the church because if he can corrupt them, if he can disrupt them, if he can lead them astray, it's going to surface throughout the entire church. There's going to be an impact on the church. So the church must learn to come together and pray for their leaders. Look at turnover real quick before I go any further in this psalm, to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Yeah, I keep seeing um, turn... And I know y'all got these uh, them electronic devices that, you know, I don't even like them things. Listen to this. Listen to the, listen to First Timothy chapter two, and I'm gonna start reading verse one. Get with me if you can. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Back again. I urge then, first of all, that request, prayers, Intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Here, Paul is urging the church to pray, to make requests concerning our leadership, to get offer up prayers concerning our leadership, to intercede concerning our leadership, to make prayers of thanksgiving 
When is the last time you prayed and was thankful for your pastor or, or the pastoral staff or the, 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 any of the, the leadership, your deacons and your trustees and, and all of those ministry leaders that we have? When was the last time we as a church all came together and said, guess what? Tonight we're going to pray and we're going to offer up all kinds of prayers on their behalf. Because they're leading us into battle. They're leading us for kingdom advancement. They're leading us to spread the gospel. And what does it say? This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved. This speaks of kingdom advancement. If we are really to advance the kingdom, the prayer service begins in the house of God and out of our prayers for our leadership and for one another, guess what? There is an outflowing. There is a spreading. God hears the prayers, and just like the sacrifice, the, a, a proper sacrifice brought a sweet aroma to his nostril, our prayers, according to his word and his will, led by his spirit for our leadership and for one another, is a sweet aroma in his nostrils, and he's pleased. That's why we pray. That's why we should pray for our leaders, because we're commanded to do it, because this is the formula that God gives us to succeed. We'll go back to Psalm 20. Listen what they pray. First of all, they pray that the Lord will answer when he's in stress. Secondly, they prayed that the name of the Lord would be upon him, the name of the God of Jacob would be upon that king. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. What they're praying is for heavenly help. When we talk about the sanctuary and Zion, we are talking about the, the, the visible dwelling place of God on the earth. This was... This, these places represented the manifested presence of God in the earth realm. And so what they were praying is they were praying for, for divine help from God. And again, this was according to their covenant relationship. Because as we've seen so many times, and I think it's Deuteronomy Chapter 20, let me get over there real quick. I like showing you, I like showing you this stuff because, again, there's nothing like knowing what God has said. Look, Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. There's more. 
I want to stop there because what we're dealing with is the enemy. The obedient people of God who come before God asking for a blessing from God, the faithful of God who have the name of God upon them because they receive the priestly blessing can expect God to defeat their enemies at every turn. It's not the king. Their appeal is to God for the king. It's not your pastor. Your appeal is for God for your pastor, for your pastor's anointing, for your pastor's leadership, for everything that your pastor needs to overcome the enemy while he is leading and caring for you. Listen. Send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Again to God that he says, verse 3, may he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Remember earlier we talked about what the king did? We talked about how the king uh, would make sacrifices for himself as he prepared to go into battle. The priest also made sacrifices for the people, in that, that that's that's what we that's what he's talking about. May he accept your sacrifices. May he he remember your offerings. What are we talking about here? We're talking about offering the the burnt offering was an offering that was usually for sins or or sometimes for favor. And the grain offerings that they gave up were for fellowship. And so they wanted to be in right standing with God. And the sacrificial system made sure that in those those burnt offerings that their atonement was made so sin could be dealt with. But then the grain offerings and the free will offerings and all those other offerings, they were for fellowship. They were asking for the presence of God. And there was a certain way that these offerings had to be brought, and the certain composition of the offering. Remember when we go through the offerings, they talk about unblemished and fine flour. And what what they were saying is the, the, the wording in this, the Hebrew wording basically uh, says, may your offerings be fat. May your offerings be found fat. And the fat was burned on the altar, and it gave it gave a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. And so what they were saying basically was, may you have brought the right offerings and your offerings be acceptable unto God. That's what's connoted here. And so he says, he says, and accept your burnt offerings. And then he says, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all, I ran over something. At the end of verse uh, 3, it says Selah. And that Selah usually connotes a pause, a pondering, a meditation, or, or sometimes it, if the music is involved, it brings the music to a crescendo. And at other times it means, what do you think about that? So the here, I believe that it's, it's a time where the congregation pauses and reflects upon what they've asked God to do 
It's a time to of searching to make sure that 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 they're right with God, and that they walked according to the laws of God. Sometimes I think when we when we come into prayer meeting, uh, and even into church, that we come in with the wrong attitude. We come in, and it's almost as if, and I've done this before. It's almost like you know, God, I'm here. I'm doing you a favor by being here. I really don't want to be here, but I'm obligated to be here. Have you ever thought about the fact that if it wasn't for what God did through Jesus, that we couldn't come into the presence of God with our sinful selves without being consumed? And that it's a privilege and an honor to be able to come into the presence of God? That sometimes before we go to church, we need to step back for a second and spend some time reflecting on the sacrifice that God himself offered up for us that allows us to come boldly to the throne of grace where we find mercy and help in a time of need. Have you ever thought about that? If you thought about that, your attitude going into the temple would be one of, of 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 thankfulness, and we would be so thankful that we walk in the door shouting. The worship leader doesn't have to get up. The music don't have to the the play. The preacher don't have to come to the to the to, to the altar. Nothing. We don't need anything because we just brought ourselves into an account, encounter with Holy God who has invited us into his presence. Oh, we come in there, tearing that place up, shouting. And that and this is what's happening here when they think about it. Keep going. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. That's what they're praying for their king. When was the last time you prayed? Lord, I pray for our pastor that you would give him the desires of his heart and make all his plans succeed. But you say, wait a minute, hold on. Why would we pray something like that? Because this man has been anointed by God. He had we have prayed for his position in God. We prayed for his thoughts and that his thought and that he be overwhelmed by the anointing of God and empowered by his the Holy Spirit. And so his thoughts are the thoughts of God. His plans are the plans that God has placed in his head. The words that he speaks are the words that God has anointed him and empowered him to say, and these are the words of God, the word that gives life. And it's a life-giving word that's coming to you. And so we can pray for him, we can pray for her, that may he give you the desires of your heart, because your his heart, God, is your heart. His will, God, is your will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And as for us, go to verse go, go to verse five. 
We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. When we get the victory, we're going to celebrate. And notice it doesn't say that we're going to celebrate the king, but instead it it says we're going to celebrate you because we know that You used him to do it, but it was you, God. It was you who helped us through danger seen and unseen. It was you, God, who anointed him to lay hands on the sick and they were healed. It was you, God, who was leading him to overcome all of the, the wiles of the devil. It was you. It wasn't because he was smart. It wasn't because he got all them degrees. It wasn't because, he was, because he's a smooth talker. It wasn't because he's a great administrator. It was because we prayed for him and he yielded himself to you. And you anointed him and you empowered him. This thing, this prayer, when we pray for, 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 for our leadership and for the anointed of God, this, this, this ain't about him. This is about God. And what God will do through him for us. Are you getting this? Are you getting it? I know I'm, I'm, I'm a little excited tonight. I know I get it. I, every now and then I just get a little excited when I get into this word and see what, what God wants us to do with his word. And what his word is, is saying to us, especially today, as it looks as if we're, we're coming apart at the seams where our children are rejecting the God of our fathers, where where our churches are half empty all the time, and the people that are in them are, are, are more curious than committed, where we raise children in houses and, and they know about more about Xbox than they know about Jesus. And we have to pray. When God says, may the Lord grant all of your requests. You know, God is faithful. And every request that he puts upon your lips, every request that he puts upon your heart, as we pray for one another, as we pray for God's anointed, Every request that he puts upon the lips of your pastor, the lips of the assistant pastor, the lips of the ministry leader, the lips of the deacons and the trustees, God can grant those requests, and he will according to his word. You see, when you are praying the mind and the heart of God, You're merely repeating to God what he is already prepared to do, what he wants to do, because his spirit has inspired you, instructed you, led you to pray that prayer. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven, with the saving power of his right hand. Now, this is a prophetic portion of the prayer. You see, the king hasn't even gone in battle. God hasn't even said anything yet. He says, but I know. You see, now this is the faith 
portion of praying. When this the psalmist writes, I know. I don't have, we haven't been to battle yet, but I know we won. We haven't seen the manifestation, manifested presence of God in this thing, but I know he's there. I know he will do what he said, so I am going to, by faith, declare victory. When we pray, after we, after we pray for our leaders, we need to know how to get up off our knees and go expecting God. What does the word teach us? When you pray, pray believing. Don't pray that wishy-washy prayer. Well, maybe if the Lord will or if it's his, if it is his will, if it wasn't his will, he wouldn't have you praying that. But he wants us to pray in faith. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Go back a little bit. So what they're looking at here, is they're looking at the military might of those who surround them. You see, the king was never supposed to amass a bunch of horses, never supposed to get a whole bunch of chariots and all that kind of stuff. That's that's in the word. That's according to the word. The king was not supposed to amass all of those. He was supposed to rely on the divine provision and protection of God, even as he went forth into battle. How many times, excuse me, have you read in the Bible where the children of Israel were outnumbered? How many times have you read about uh, they looked around and, and everywhere they could see, all they could see was the enemy. And the enemy had outflanked them and the enemy had more weapons than they did. And the enemy was this and the enemy was that. And then all of a sudden, the enemy was running. Why were they running? Because the people of God trusted in God. They didn't put their trust in horses. They didn't trust put their trust in chariots. They didn't put their trust in the military might of man. You know, there are us with small churches, small congregations, who sometimes think that we can't accomplish great things because we don't have the numbers, we don't have the resources. I beg to differ with you. Just real briefly, I remember one Christmas we were uh, we had planted a church down in uh, Cincinnati, and our assignment I believe that the, I, be, I believe that God was leading me and the congregation to give out uh, Christmas baskets, and so rather than um, try to do the thing on our own, we partnered with another church, and this church was larger than ours had very robust membership, more people, many more people than we had. And so we made a commitment that we were going to give a certain number of baskets. And when we made that commitment, the people kind of looked at us like, well, you know, um, in the baskets that we're, that we're going to give the people, that we, we want to give them turkeys too so they can have a real full Christmas dinner. Never forget this. And so... The Ox small congregation got together, told them what we were going to do, and they didn't flinch. They didn't flinch an inch. said, okay, got it, Pastor. And so we gathered all the materials. We made all the bags. 
We put them in. Uh, we we had, one of our members had a truck. We put them in the back of the truck, and we gathered all the turkeys and everything. And we had those in, in another truck, I think it was, or a car or something. I don't know how we did it. But we got to the place ready to deliver the baskets. We went in. We saw the pastor and their people that were getting ready to, you know, that that were leading the 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 whole thing. And they asked how many bags we had because they could see the bags. And we told them the number of bags. And then I remember they 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 walked away from us and they got in a huddle. And they were frantic. And they said, "Well, we have the bags, but our problem is we don't have enough turkeys." I said, "Why not?" And they said, well, we when we give out baskets, we give out basket the baskets like you have, but we also give them a turkey. And we've got a few extra turkeys, but we don't have enough for all of these bags. And, you know, every now and then, the arrogance of Winfred will appear. And I say it as arrogantly and humbly as I could. We don't need y'all turkeys. We got turkeys. You got that many turkeys? And I said, that was the formula, right? We, we said that we would do this, right? And they were amazed at what this little congregation was able to accomplish because it was more than they could do. With the, more than they, But that was the commitment, and we moved by faith. On another instance, they were having this, they would, they, they, another ministry came to us because they were doing uh, some cookies for prisoners, the, the incarcerated. And so it was as it, we decided that we were going to to do cookies. And, you know, in it, the, the, Lord, the, the Lord tells us, don't make any small plans. And I ain't a small planner at all. I mean, I, I grew up on the west side, and you know what we say on the west side, come high, don't come at all. And we in the congregation got together and started baking cookies. And we baked cookies, and we baked cookies, and we baked cookies, and we kept baking cookies until it got to be a, a cookie baking contest. And the reason why I baking all them cookies because I was giving five for them and one for me, of course. But we kept baking cookies and kept baking cookies. And the next thing we know, when the guy, one of the guys in the ministry came to get the cookies, we showed him the cookie. We said, well, the cookies are in there. And he thought he, he'd come in there with a little bitty old, you know, a little bitty old cardboard box to get, you know, 12 dozen cookies or something like that. We said, oh, that's, he said, well, I asked him, I said, so where are you going to put the cookies in? He said, well, I'm just going to put them in the back seat of my car. I'm like, you ain't got no room for all these cookies. He said, what do you mean all these cookies? And we took them in the back where the cookies was at. He had to send for help because God blessed us with the provisions because we had the faith. That's what God will do when you pray. You see, you have to, anytime you pray and you pray in faith, God will give you an overflow blessing. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Those who trust in flesh, those who trust in man, they're going to fall. But us who trust in the name of the Lord, thus those of us who have the blessing of God upon us, we always stand. You know what Psalm 1 tells us, blessed is the man. He shall be like a tree 
standing by the rivers of water. His leaf does not wither. He's always fruitful. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. We have an obligation to pay. Pray by faith to God for his presence and his power for our leadership. Psalm 20 tells us that. Tonight what I'd ask you to do is I'd ask you to go back into Psalm 20 and pray that prayer for your pastor and your leadership. And if you get and if you got an extra minute or two, pray that prayer for me too. As we continue to try to lead you in the word and in the way of God, that God would overwhelm us and make us successful in all the things that he has us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it with the word. I'd like to um, share just one last thing with you before we pray and you get your, you get the name of the Lord written on you real quick again. Um, and that is, today was a um, today was a, a different kind of day for me. Um, my second oldest sister has gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, she left us today, this morning, and Reese was fun. Reese was fun. Her name is Sharice Burns, and I'm asking that you pray for her children and all the nieces and nephews. Uh, Justice and Jessica Wardlaw are her children, and her name is Sharice. Sharice uh, Mary Burns. That was my. That's my second oldest sister, and gonna miss her. But um, we know that God doesn't make mistakes. So pray for my family in its entirety. And I'll make sure that I continue to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to say thank you. We thank you for all that you do and all that you are. We bless your name that you remind us that we have an obligation and a responsibility to pray for our leaders to pray for their protection, to pray for them, to pray for that they would that they hear from you, to pray that your name is written all over them, to pray that their prayers would be answered. God, we thank you and we rejoice with you now, even as we lift up the Felders, even as we lift up uh, Pastor Parker and the Broadview family even if we lift up uh, Stalic and all of the people over there, the Matthews, we bless you for them, God, and we praise you for them. We praise you for leaders of churches all over the land. I pray for even for myself, God, and my wife and my children. Pray for my daughter as she leads the kingdom daughters. Pray for my son as he seeks to figure out and ministry and how to establish the pastoral anointing that you have on him. We lift them all up to you even right now, God. And then, Father, I pray for my nieces and my nephews. I pray for Allison and Frazier tonight as they, too, are experiencing death in their family. Oh, God, we lift your name on high, even as we intercede for all. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you.